Hi there, welcome. This is the Time Herbal Podcast, and my name is Brittany Wood Nickerson. And I'm here today with my daughter, Ida, who is about 10 weeks old, and she's sleeping beside me. And she has inspired me to want to talk about sleep. We all know how important sleep is for us, both physically and emotionally, and that has become even more clear for me as I have been a caregiver for her in the last 10 weeks since she was born. And I think most people who have children or work with children would tell you that sleep is incredibly important for children and that they can be a reflection of our own needs and our own sleep needs. And in fact, I was talking to um, a practitioner the other day of cranial sacral therapy, and she was talking about how mammals in general are designed to sort of quote unquote cat nap. Um, or human nap, or mammal nap, as we might say, um, and that really, you know, it's like you kind of do some things, and then you feel a little sleepy, and you curl up, and you nap, and then you wake up, and you do some things, and we have trained ourselves to get out of the habit of that by sleeping eight or more hours a night, some people a lot less than that, then getting up, having our whole day. Very few of us still nap, and very few of us even take time to rest and regroup and recoup throughout the day. And so the first kind of lesson of sleep that I've found in my clinical practice um, as an herbalist is that the most important thing that we can do to promote good sleep in our life is to have a healthy, relaxed lifestyle that allows us to be calm and grounded all the time. And that being calm and grounded in as a general state to sort of commit to occupying a calm and grounded state in our day-to-day, moment-to-moment lives sets us up to sleep well, even if we're only sleeping at night. And I do think that adaptive or not, we have been able to healthily adapt to getting one good solid night's sleep when it's dark out, and to be awake when it's light out, and to be healthy within that. So in other words, I don't think we necessarily all have to revert to being mammals where we're sort of napping periodically throughout the day, but I think that it is important to listen to our body and understand our body and to realize that whether we're napping throughout the day or not, it we it will benefit us to take some time to rest and regroup. It could be a few minutes um, of shutting our eyes and taking some deep breaths. It could be a lunch break. Um, it could be sitting down for tea with a friend or by yourself doing a little reading something that can help us kind of reset a little bit because we have a tendency to wake up in the morning go 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 and be a hundred percent focused all day long and then lie down at night and think we should be able to fall asleep right away and our body actually needs some time to wind down to be able to Um, get into a restful place and be able to promote deep sleep okay so it's not just as simple as you go 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 all day and then lie down and fall asleep and in fact if you're hoping that I'm going to share some remedy that's going to help you just lie down and go to sleep that's not really what I'm going to do I could do that actually I could just introduce strong sedative herbs but I'm actually more interested in promoting a general lifestyle because I think that that lifestyle will help us with stress management in our life and will help us find true kind of happiness and contentment, if you will, um, with our day-to-day life. And so the reason why my daughter Ida has inspired me to want to talk about sleep today 
is because with children, never is it more evident how important relaxation and a general state of relaxation is to our um, well-being, our mood, and our ability to sleep. Um, If you have worked with children or have talked to people who have children or work with them, you often will hear this sort of horror of the parent. If they miss their nap, you know, dot, 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 I won't be able to get them back to sleep. And, um, or I won't get to get them to go down to, a, to sleep if I miss their nap time. And what that's about is what we often refer to as the sort of tired and wired syndrome, okay? So once you get tired, the more tired you get, or once you get stressed, the more stressed you get, you get sort of wired. What happens is your sympathetic fight or flight nervous system kicks in and takes over and you release hormones, most notably adrenaline, um, epinephrine, and norepinephrine. And adrenaline would be the key one here. And the, the adrenaline actually propels you. It gives you a boost of energy, almost like not the same, but almost as if you had a cup of coffee or tea or something, right? So that burst of energy actually starts to drive you and you start to get energy based off of the presence of those hormones. It's not true vital energy, it's because of the the hormones. And once you get that hormone surge, it's harder to relax and come down from it. So if a child, for example, misses a nap and they have an adrenaline rush, then it's harder to get them to go down because they're sort of wired on that adrenaline rush. Once they get there to that place of being wired, they actually might just kind of stay wired. They might even be tired and not realize they were tired. So what happened for um, my husband and I with Ida was that all of a sudden around seven or eight weeks, she became a lot more alert. And she had been more alert before that, but this was a new step in her alertness. Her eyes were open more, she was looking around, she was focusing her attention more. And so before that, you know, before um, infants really have, um, uh, they're really alert like that, they're kind of sleeping all the time. When she got to that place where she was more alert, all of a sudden she wasn't sleeping all the time and she was getting overtired. She was quickly into that place of overtired and she started crying a lot. And we were like, oh, what's the matter? Does her belly hurt? Is she hungry? And is she wet? You know, it didn't seem like any of those things were happening. She wasn't cold. She wasn't hot. And it finally, we realized after a couple of days, she's really tired and she was crying to discharge energy. And then once she did that, she would fall asleep exhausted, right? And so what I did for a few days was I observed her and I really tuned into when she got tired. And when she got tired, I tried to do things to facilitate her sleeping and napping. And now about 10 weeks, so a week and a half, two weeks later, we've settled into some sleep routines for her. And sleep routines are really important for helping the body to feel at ease and relaxed. Routines reduce anxiety, they reduce depression, and they help us sleep better. And so one major routine that human beings have is that we sleep at night when it's dark and we're awake during the day, right? So that's a routine that we settled into with Ida. We started putting her to bed around 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock and she'll sleep consistently until four, sometimes 4 in the morning or 6 in the morning. Then she might want a nurse. If she sleeps till 6, she might be up for the day. If she sleeps till 4, she'll doze back until 6 or 7 or so when it gets light out right? And then 
Come nine or so in the morning, she's ready for another nap. She'll go down at nine until around noon, so a good three-hour chunk. And then in the afternoon, she'll take one or two hour, hour and a half, two hour naps. So a lot of people might say, well, if she naps that much during the day, is she still going to sleep at night? Yes. In fact, once now that we've come into a nap schedule that works for her, and I'll acknowledge that infants change really quickly, so this nap schedule that works now might not work for long, but it's working now. Now that we've settled into this routine, she has actually started sleeping better at night. Why? Because she's no longer getting to that point of being tired and wired. Her nervous system is so much more relaxed now because she's getting the sleep and rest she needs and because the routine is allowing her to know what to expect out of her day-to-day life. So now that she's getting the sleep she needs, now that she knows what to expect, she's actually sleeping better all the time, including at night. Um, they say never wake up a sleeping baby and never kind of, um, you know, like they can never sleep too much. And it's true. And then watching her and helping to facilitate that as a caregiver, what I'm learning is that that's really how we are as well, right? We need, we as adult people, regardless of the adaptations we've made, need time to reset, reboot, and kind of restore ourselves during the day so we don't get to that tired and wired place. And that's gonna help us when we get in bed and put our head to the pillow at night. So let's talk about some of the things that we can do to promote restful sleep. And again, these are lifestyle measures. So the first thing that we can do is we can settle into a good routine. And routines in our life in general will help us to sleep better and help to improve the quality of our sleep, but particularly uh, routines around sleep itself. So coming up with a consistent bedtime and waking time for yourself so that your body can learn to expect that. And it can be a range. Um, You could go to bed between nine and 10 and wake up between six and seven, or it could be something more specific. You could go to bed at nine and wake up at seven or whatever worked for you. When you're thinking about your sleep routine, try to do what I was doing with Ida. Try to think about, try to observe yourself and tune into what really works and what your body really needs, rather than doing what you've been told will work. So for example, rather than just saying eight hours of sleep sleep a night, that's what I hear is right. Spend one, two, three weeks observing what really works for you in terms of the amount of sleep. Try going to bed at 8 or 9 or 10. You know, try the different times. Try waking up at different times and see how you feel. I myself have learned that I do best with about 9 hours of sleep a night. That doesn't mean that I need 9 hours of sleep every night. I've often found that if I get 9 hours of sleep 3 or 4 nights a week, the other nights I get 7.5 or 8 hours, I do great. But 8 doesn't always cut it for me. And when I really let myself sleep, I'll often naturally sleep 9. So that's something I've learned about myself through observation. So that's the first step. Let go of the preconceived notions. Let go of what you've been told or what you think. And tune into what really works through observing yourself and your own practices. The second thing So developing routine, that's number one. And then number two is working with our stress management and our day-to-day life to promote a lifestyle that helps us to be in a relaxed place. And that's going to help us to really step into 
a good sleep pattern and for the sleep that we get to be more restful. So stress management is obviously its own whole topic. We could devote um, hours, days, weeks to talking about stress management. Um, But the things that I really want to emphasize are the importance of setting up your life in a way that works for you. And this, again, is part of the practice of observing yourself. Um, So it's not really about what you think you should be able to do or achieve in a day or what you even want to be able to achieve or do in a day. It's what you are able to do and achieve in a day. And when we think about having a life that works for us and a manageable stress load, part of that is also about routine. We need to set ourselves up with realistic expectations of how much we're capable of doing in a day and how much we're able to do in a day. And if we continually put too much on our plate, we're going to be stressed out. If we can instead have a a load on our plate on a daily basis that is manageable for us, we're going to, at the end of the day, we're going to feel accomplished, we're going to feel satisfied, and we're not going to have spent our whole day worrying or wondering about whether or not we're going to be able to get everything done, and we're not going to be rushing. And so there, once again, at the end of the day, you're going to end up feeling relaxed, rather than kind of buzzed and wired because you've been overdoing it and overstimulated all day trying to get all that stuff done that you maybe weren't capable of getting done but wanted to or thought you should be able to or whatever is going on for you. So realistic expectations, knowing what's going to work for you, what's enough, what's too much, and being able to set up some limits and boundaries to succeed rather than setting yourself up to fail during the day, which in my eyes would be putting too much on your plate and then not being able to meet your goals. So realistic expectations and planning accordingly. And routine steps into that because when we plan, if we have routines of, you know, in the morning I'm it's I can get this amount done, in the afternoon I can get that amount done, and you fall into patterns, then you're going to be again better able to know what you can put on your plate and what you can accomplish, and then better able to exceed succeed in accomplishing those things. Okay. Um, a morning time routine is another great example. Um, you might need X number of hours to get out the door in the morning. Having a routine so that you know how much time you need is going to make you feel less stressed out, right? So if you know you need 45 minutes to do your morning routine, that's going to help you get out the door in a reasonable and, you know, kind of relaxed way rather than, you know, some days having half an hour, some days having an hour, and some days rushing, some days not, right? So that's gonna, that's another place where routine can really come in. So all that said, it's not always that easy to just have this wonderful, relaxed, peaceful day that I'm talking about. Sure, that's the ideal, but um, even if you have those days, most of the time you're bound to have a stressful day now and again. Some of you might be thinking, hey, I can add in some of these lifestyle techniques and changes into my daily life, but that doesn't mean that I'm not still going to have a little bit of stress kind of hanging on my shoulder when I get home from work at the end of the day. So the next thing I want to talk about are some kind of techniques that we can have in our back pocket to help us unwind at the end of the day um, or whenever you need. And the first one that I think is really important is some kind of exercise or movement. Exercise is really important. When When we move our body, 
Um, and it doesn't just have to be exercise, which implies the gym or jogging or, you know, something like that. Even just movement, you know, being outside in your garden and moving your body, digging, getting your heart rate up, right? Taking a brisk walk, those kinds of things, doing yoga or Pilates or Tai Chi. When we move our body and we get our heart rate up, we stimulate circulation, we stimulate digestion, we stimulate all of our body's metabolic processes, in fact, cellular metabolism, liver metabolism, etc. Um, and we also help to discharge energy, reduce inflammation, and to we activate the same biochemical um, feedback mechanisms that support the mood. So exercise and movement helps to work with depression, helps to elevate the mood and reduce feelings of lethargy and depression and so on. So some kind of movement is really important to build into your daily routine and might be a particularly helpful tool for the end of the day, help wind down after work. If you live in the in um, a rural area and can take a nice walk outside or be in the woods or in nature, that's great. If you live in an urban or suburban space and you can go to a park, somewhere we can breathe clean air, hear the sounds of nature, and let your nervous system come down a few notches from the day. Studies show that being in a natural environment, being outside, being in nature, helps to bring down our nervous system and reduce our heart rate and our blood pressure and help us get into a relaxed parasympathetic nervous system. And believe it or not, when you get home from work at the end of the day, that's when you are really starting your bedtime routine, right? Because you're getting into the evening and you're starting to wind down from your day, whether it was stressful or not, and setting yourself up for peaceful, restorative sleep in the evening or nighttime whenever you go to sleep. So we have our exercise, we have some kind of an evening routine would be really great. A good meal is important. And ideally that meal won't be too close to bedtime, right? Ideally we can kind of have our meal and then have several hours to digest so that when we go to sleep, we're not still digesting our food. Because if you haven't figured it out already from the things I'm talking about, what we're talking about is not just sleep, but good quality sleep. And so all these things that I'm talking about aren't just going to help us sleep, they're going to help us have better quality sleep. So they're going to help promote really deep, full, rest, restorative sleep that's going to help increase our vitality. Okay. So the other thing that we want to talk about incorporating into our daily routine, um, and this may be a wind down routine at the end of the day, or it might in general just be part of a daily routine, are herbs. Okay. So um, I want to talk about one herb that I think is really wonderful for the day, daytime, one herb that I really love for the evening, and one herb that I really love for before bed. Now that doesn't mean that you can't experiment with these herbs and use them at any time, but I'm just going to talk about my experience for, with these herbs for in those different categories because I think that will help to tie together what we're talking about, which is a restful, relaxed lifestyle that's going to overall promote sleep. So in other, we're actually talking about stress management and you know being relaxed in general as well as sleeping deeply so that we can. Um, improve our vitality and our general sense of well-being. So the first herb I want to talk about is oats, um, and that's Avena sativa. This is the same genus and species of the oat that we eat, so oatmeal, um, but it's a different stage of development. So this is the oat 
um, with the image, the mature seed, or the what should we call the ripe seed, um, rather than the mature seed, which is the oatmeal that we eat. Okay, so the ripe seed is called an oat top or a milky oat. And also in herbal medicine, we use the oat straw. So the oat straw is the ripe seed as well as the straw or the blade of grass. Um, I'm sorry, oats are not a grass, but um, the stalk um, as well as the ripe seed. Okay, so the straw is um, often less expensive. It contains just as many minerals um, and it also contains the ripe seed. The milky oat top is just the ripe seed. Um, some people like to use just the milky oat top um, and, and think that that's stronger, better medicine. Um, I think that the that oat straw is also wonderful because it still has many minerals um, and it also has the ripe seed. So I'm a proponent of oat straw and oat tops and I think that you can use whichever one works better for you. Um, if you grow your own, um, I find that it's easier to harvest and dry the top um, rather than the whole um, uh, the whole stock because the stock would require that I pick, cut it, dry it, and then cut it up into small pieces. Whereas the top I can just pick and use whole, so it eliminates a step for me. Um, but I would say w- use what works for you in your budget. Um, use what you have access to, etc. Both are really wonderful. So as I implied before. Oats are very, very high in minerals. They contain a large amount of calcium, magnesium, and silica, minerals that nourish the nervous system, help restore nervous system function, and the muscular skeletal system. So these nutrients nourish the body and directly the nervous system, which helps the nervous system to function um, effectively and help it stay relaxed. Okay. Um, oats also have the in the milky ripe top they have compounds that help to soothe the nervous system and repair neural tissue in fact studies have shown that milky oat tops repair the myelin sheath of the nervous system and help to strengthen it improving neurological function and helping to restore nervous system function if there's been damage whether that damage is from stress or disease or whatnot okay when you drink oats oat tea they actually help you feel calm. And the best way that I can describe how oats make you feel is that they help you to be in the present moment. So that's something that we talk about when we talk about stress management. Um, But it's not always something that we can easily attain. And sometimes we need helpers. People talk about mindfulness meditation as a helper to get to be more present in the moment. Um, other kinds of meditation as well. Um, Oats are an herbal ally that we have to help us settle into the moment and feel more grounded um, in those spaces. So when I drink oat tea, I feel like I'm more able to be in the moment. I'm, I'm able to more clearly deal with anxiety or restlessness, and I'm able to kind of stay present and grounded and calm despite the presence of what might be a stressful situation. So if I'm working all day, for example, I might sip oats tea and it helps me, you know, not get stressed out by a deadline or worried about, you know, an upcoming project or whatnot, right? I know that for myself, I often get a little bit tense when I'm at the computer. I just open my email inbox and there's so many emails, I can start to feel my shoulders get tense and I get a little bit, um, 
uh, stiff and um, I can tell the energy is not moving as freely in my body. So um, if I sip oats tea while I'm doing that, it really helps to keep me calm and relaxed and grounded and just take those emails one email at a time, right? There's no reason to really be stressed out about those emails. If I don't finish them, I'll get to them tomorrow. Nothing stressful is happening about the email. It's just that they're, the fact that it's there is some for some reason stresses me out sometimes, right? So sipping the oats will help to move through that. Okay, so if you have a stressful job or daytime anxiety or anything like that, consider drinking oats throughout the day. What I like to do is to make an oat infusion to sip throughout the day. An infusion is a water preparation made with hot water, but instead of steeping it for five or 10 minutes as you would a tea, you actually steep an oats infusion overnight or for eight to 12 hours. So you want to, I recommend drinking anywhere from two to four cups of oats tea a day or oats infusion a day. And I use one tablespoon of oat straw or one tablespoon of oat tops for every cup of water. So if I was going to make one, um, two cups of oats tea, oats infusion, I would do two tablespoons with two cups of water. If I was going to make four cups, I would do four tablespoons with four cups of water. So put your oats straw or oat tops into a teapot or a glass jar, cover it with boiling water, put a lid over it, let it steep for eight to 12 hours or overnight. In the morning, strain out the herbs and then sip your oats infusion throughout the day. This will mineralize the body, calm and nourish the nervous system and help you feel really grounded and present in your body. Drinking oat tea throughout, or infusion throughout the day will help you to be more calm overall, which will help promote restful sleep when it's time to sleep at night. For those of you that are wondering about the relationship between oats and gluten, um, oats don't actually contain the protein gluten, so it's safe to take oats with a gluten intolerance. Um, some people say that oats contain proteins that are similar to Gluten similar enough that if you are, you know, truly having a gluten intolerance or a gluten a celiac issue, that gluten that um, excuse me oats may aggravate a gluten allergy, but they do not themselves contain gluten. The reason why people purchase gluten-free oats is because most oats are processed in a facility that um, processes gluten, and therefore gluten-free oats are processed in a facility without gluten. So that's that connection there. So if you are thinking about gluten intolerance, keep that in mind. Um, the herb that I want to talk about that I really love for the end of the day and kind of that intermediate um, period between, you know, end of your daytime tasks and bedtime is linden. And uh, linden, tilia, various species of tilia, um, is an amazing herb for the nervous system and the cardiovascular system. It helps to um, relax the nervous system, soothe tension in the nervous system and in the body, and help to relax and ease tension in the cardiovascular system. So it reduces high blood pressure um, and helps to support healthy circulation. I find Linden to be a really sweet ally for the end of the day. When I get home, I love a cup of Linden tea with honey. I love to drink a cup of linden tea when I'm cooking dinner, for example, um, or when I'm having tea with friends. It's a really, really nice grounding, relaxing herb, and it tastes great. It's also moistening, 
So it helps to moisten the tissues of the body, moisten the digestive system, um, and partly why I think it's so nice for the nervous system is because in moistening tissues, it actually helps to restore tissue integrity. And I do a lot of work with um, uh, energetics, herbal energetics. So I look at, um, is does the condition that's presenting, is it dry or is it moist or wet? Is it hot or is it cold? And I pick an herb that's appropriate to counterbalance that. A lot of folks who suffer from nervous system related issues are dry. And so linden as a moistening tonic is really beneficial um, for helping to nourish the tissues and therefore help the body to relax because when you're, if the tissues are dry, or especially if the nervous system tissues are dry, then the system will be more on edge. If they are moist and sort of um, uh, tissues are healthy and moist, then you're going to uh, be more relaxed and um, better set up to, um, not better set up, but more relaxed and therefore um, be able to be more restful. Your tissues will be able to restore themselves more easily and, and for our conversation, be able to sleep better. So that's all very important. So for linden, we use the leaf and the flower. If you were to buy linden in the store, it would be just leaf and flower mixed together and I like just a simple cup of tea and I often sweeten it with honey. You can drink it hot or in the summer you can drink it cold, room temperature, or even iced for a nice refreshing summer beverage. The last herb that I want to talk about as a before bed ally is passion flower. Passion flower, Passiflora incarnata, is an absolutely gorgeous um, picture um, flower and I was going to say if you haven't seen it um, uh, before, look up a picture of it because it's really, really beautiful. And you can see why it would inspire passion in people. And um, as an herb, it helps to relax the central nervous system. In fact, it's a mild central nervous system sedative. So it helps to relax the central nervous system and help put the nervous system at ease. Um, and what I like, I tell my students, passion flower is an herb that helps you to be content staring at the wall, which might kind of sound kind of funny, but why I say that is because um, when I take passion flower, I find that I'm just so content to just be in the moment. I can zone out looking at the wall. I can um, zone out just, you know, relaxing. I'm not worried anymore about what I was thinking about before. I don't think about the future. I don't think about the past. I'm able to just be in the moment and be relaxed and be present. Getting into that place is really helpful for promoting deep, restful sleep because as we know, one of, one of the main things that keeps us up at night, whether it's difficulty falling asleep or whether we wake up in the middle of the night and can't fall back asleep, one of the biggest things that gets in the way of sleep is too much thinking. We're thinking before bed about all the things we need to do, all the things we forgot to do, all the things we wish we do, we could do, etc. And it prevents us from really falling off into sleep. So passion flower really helps us to calm the body and the mind, separate ourselves from our anxiety, and separate ourselves from our thoughts a little bit so that we can settle into deep, restful sleep. So passion flower, I would recommend, you can do as a tea um, or as a tincture. And I would, the tea and tincture both work great. Um, 
Tea is a little bit bitter, so some people don't like that. Um, but if you're not bothered by the bitter, you can have one cup of tea before bed. You could sweeten it with a bit of honey if you'd like. Or you could add some sweeter herbs, maybe a pinch of licorice or a little chamomile, which is nice and floral and sweet. Um, or you could do a passion flower tincture. Um, and tinctures are alcohol-based. Or you could do a glycerin tincture, which is glycerin-based. That would be an alcohol-free option. And um, you can take uh, anywhere from 20 to 60 drops of a passion flower um, tincture, glycerin, or alcohol-based um, before bed to promote sleep. Um, I would take either and a little sip of water. And for people that have an issue with waking up to pee in the night and then having a hard time going back to sleep, I might suggest that you try the tincture rather than the tea because if you do a tea before bed, you're consuming a lot of liquid and it would make you more likely to go to the bathroom. Um, whereas if you have um, a tincture, it's just a small amount of liquid. So that might make it less you less likely to have to get up in the night to go to the bathroom. So that is my um, herbal wisdom on sleep and actually the broader topic of rest and relaxation in our daily lives, um, both with the goal and the aim of promoting vitality, feeling great in our skin, and being able to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be. So I hope that you're inspired to take a look at some of these herbal remedies and incorporate those as well as others into your life. There's countless other herbs for the nervous system that you can consider using to manage stress and anxiety and help promote restful sleep. Um, and I want to thank you so much for listening and being present with this topic that I'm so very passionate about because I really do believe that when we manage stress in our lives and when we sleep deeply, we are happier and more grounded and um, that's great for us and it's great for those that we spend time with. So sending you lots of blessings for peaceful sleep and um, a wonderful, relaxed states of being during the all hours of the day. Take care.